Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Cause with you, if something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. This week I have on Ryan Gardner. This is his first time on Welcome to Geekdom, so welcome, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. I was really glad when you sent me a text and told me that you wanted to be on the podcast and you even brought a topic to the table, which is perfect. So today we are going to be talking all about media consumption. And I know this is a little similar to the first episode of this that I did with Jacob Tender, where we were talking a lot about how we consume TV and that seemed to be more specific. But because Ryan and I both consume so many different types of media, we're sort of going to talk about it as a whole today and on sort of taking a look at how much media there is and what we can do to sort of find a good balance between our consumption and sort of just unplugging for a bit. But before we start, Ryan, I want to ask you, since you brought this topic to the table, what made you want to discuss this? So I have heard a lot about media discussed in general and kind of on tech podcasts and on the internet, but right. not really to a degree of, okay, there's so much media now and how do you choose what to consume and when to consume what? Um, and kind of digesting everything and making sense of it all. So I thought that would be an interesting approach to to kind of talk through and, and point specific examples of. Yeah, and I feel like this is something I'm always having an internal conversation <laughs> with myself over because right now I don't have a job, as a lot of people probably know by now, because I feel like I've been saying this for like a year because <laughs> it's been over a year since I've had a job. <laughs> but for me, because I have all of this time during the day, it's really hard to sort of decide how I'm going to spend that. When I had my job, it was much easier because it was like, okay, these eight hours or nine hours that I'm gone and at work is for work. And I could listen to music or podcasts while I was working, which was really great because I listened to a ton of music and podcasts. So, you know, that sort of allowed me to do the majority of that stuff while I was working. And then when I would get back to my apartment, I could do my podcast recording, which we are doing at the moment, editing and sort of just the, consuming the rest of the media that I have, which would be, you know, TV, movies and reading articles or catching up on articles. So do you think because there are so many things to consume now, you sort of have the same conversation? Yeah, so I'm almost in that exact same situation that you were in regarding working all day and then kind of figuring out what you want to do at night. Right. Um, so I'm fortunate as well. I work in marketing full-time, um, so I can, when I'm not in meetings or anything like that, I can listen to podcasts or music or audiobooks or kind of whatever I choose to. Right. Um, and it's been an interesting kind of dialogue to figure out what I want to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, do I want yeah, to spend... Yeah. Monday being a music day or a podcast day. Um, so at first I used to focus more on like, okay, I have six podcasts in Overcast right now. I want to try to listen to them soon. Um, right. But lately I've just been like, okay, it doesn't matter how many I have in Overcast. I'm just going to listen to music when I want to listen to music and listen to podcasts when I want to. Yeah. And it kind of depends on what I'm doing with my job. So if I'm doing a lot of writing for blogs or social media or anything like that, 
that requires a little more attentiveness, so I'll typically choose music for that. But if I'm doing something that's a little more autonomous, like data polling or something like that, I'll do a podcast because I can think more during that. Yeah, definitely. And the job I did have, it was all data entry and looking for information online. So it wasn't so crucial for me to be, you know, paying attention word for word to what I was doing, because typically I was just looking at something and then typing it in somewhere else the same exact way. So it wasn't, you know, that much of a big thought process, I guess you could say. I didn't have to stop and think about every little thing I was doing. And, you know, you mentioning that it's basically the same thing I did there. It's like, I listened to so many podcasts that typically I would listen to podcasts all day at work. But if I wanted to listen to music, I could do that because then I knew, you know, I had a 30 minute drive in the car where I could listen to podcasts to or from work also. So that added, you know, an extra hour. And I don't know about you, but I listen to podcasts at I believe now it's 1.7 speed, give or take. It depends (laughs) in overcast because... I don't know if you have an exact count on how many podcasts you're subscribed to, but at one point, and it could still be around this, but at one point I had like 70 podcast subscriptions in Overcast, (laughs) which is an insane amount for anyone really. And I have days where I just sort of get tired of having so many podcasts. So I'll kind of do like these mini purges where I'm like, okay, this one isn't entertaining me as much anymore. So I unsubscribe from that one. And I want to do that again, but it's like I'm at the point now where I don't entirely know what I'm going to cut. I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut a few of the ones that are sports podcasts, but keep giving me Bachelor and Bachelorette episodes (laughs) in the feeds because I just I don't understand why they can't, you know, like make a separate feed if they're going to do that stuff every Bachelor and Bachelorette season because when you have a football podcast, like, I don't really want to see Bachelor and Bachelorette episodes in that, in that, because to me, it's like, okay, you talk about this one specific thing for the majority of the year. And then when these TV shows are on, you just toss that and lump it in with your sports talk. And that just seems odd to me. I actually just heard about the uh, fantasy Bachelor draft type thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that why they talk about it as well as sports? Or is it irrelevant? I don't know because it's literally dedicated episodes to the specific episodes of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So it's like I know to expect them every week now, which with I believe it's The Bachelor that's on right now. And it's like I just automatically delete those episodes. But to me, it's just kind of like, okay, can you just please make a separate feed for this? Because I don't know if you've been listening to any of the podcasts from The Ringer, but their pop culture feed is Channel 33. And that will have The Bachelor and Bachelorette on that. But to me, that's more acceptable because it's this celebrity pop culture feed in general already. So that's sort of where all of that stuff goes, the celebrity gossip and, you know, their video game podcast and a bunch of other pop culture related things. So to me, it's like, okay, that I can deal with just deleting those episodes as they come up. That's not a big deal because I know to expect that in that feed. Mm -hmm. But when it's sports podcasts, I'm just like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And I, I think I've rambled on enough about this. I know I've tweeted about it as well, too. So, you know, a couple of those might be on the chopping block. We'll see here. Depends on how annoyed I get, probably. But a lot of times because I listen to so many different 
types of podcasts. You know, I'll have sports podcasts, tech podcasts, the pop culture ones. And then, of course, you know, music related podcasts, which oftentimes those are basically my friends podcasts, or I should say my internet friends, since I actually haven't met most of the people. I don't even know if I've met anyone I have actually podcasted with so far. That would be an interesting thing to go back and see how many people I actually know in person and have podcasted with. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I know you had Jacob on recently. I, uh, I've i met him at South by. Um, one day I'll meet Jason Tate, but I have yet to meet him ever. Um, so Yeah, I, I know Ashley had moved here after we had already started doing Misaligned when she was still on the podcast. So her, I did end up meeting. I've met her in person. But, you know, Jason Tate and I were at least on the same coast here. So when I podcast with him, it's nice and easy to schedule because we don't have to worry about time zones. Mm -hmm. But he's like the only person with that <laughs> that happens because mo more often than not, I'm scheduling with people in either Central Time or Eastern Time, which is funny to me because I was on the East Coast for college and managed to not meet a bunch of these people, even though they were either in New York, Philly or nearby in Virginia and that sort of thing. And I just never crossed paths with them until I, you know, was back home. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, Cause you went to school at Drexel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said you listened to podcasts at 1.7 times. I tried to do whatever the lowest one is. I think it's like 1.2 or something. Yeah. And I did that for a little while, but then I felt like I was trying to like race through things. Um, <laughs> So I stopped doing that. I don't know how 1.7 is even listenable, but good for you. <laughs> I know some people who do two times, but it's like I had to slowly build up to 1.7. And it depends on the podcast because sometimes there are certain people who just talk way too fast. So then it's like I have to slow those episodes down or that podcast down specifically. So it took me a while. I did what you did and I started with just the one tick above Mm -hmm. normal speed and then I went to the next one and the next one and I stopped around 1.7 because even though it's at like the 1.7 mark a lot of times it'll play at 1.5 or something slightly slower but when I tried to do it at two times I was like okay this is a little too much for me so I think 1.7 <laughs> is like the sweet spot for me right now and I totally get if it's not someone's thing it's just because of the amount that I listen to, I feel like I would not have as much time to do other things that I want to do if I were listening to podcasts at normal speed. But for people who don't listen to nearly as many as I do, it's totally fine to listen at normal speed and everything. But that sort of brings me to my next question for you. You mentioned listening to music when you want to listen to music and listening to podcasts when you want to listen to podcasts. Is there any sort of reason outside of work that you choose one over the other? Um, no, I think around the end of 2016, I got more and more into music as I wanted to make an end of the year list for Chorus right. FM. Um, and so around that point, I was doing a lot of catch up of what al albums have I not heard? What have I missed out on? And interestingly enough, I feel like I've kind of gone in phases because when I started listening to podcasts and audiobooks at the same time, in probably early 2014 um, I kind of took a step back from music at that point and only listened to podcasts and audiobooks right. and then I feel like in 2016 
I did the reverse. So I pretty much entirely stopped listening to audiobooks <laughs> at all um, and only did podcasts and music. And as a result, listened to way more music than I have in the past few years, um, which was really enjoyable. I feel like there was a lot of great music that came out last year. Um, yeah. And it was fun to be up to date with new music and kind of uh, what's popular on Chorus FM and, and what everyone's talking about. Uh, I think Apple Music has a lot to do with that. Before um, December of 2015, I used Ardeo, which I still yes. miss a lot of elements of. But having yeah, but having Apple Music where I can stream things at work that I own at home, or vice versa, or see new albums come out every Friday, um, just add them and download them to my phone if I want to and listen to them, you know, in the car or anything like that. Um, it's been way easier to kind of listen to music more that way. So I think I've definitely increased my music consumption as a result and in turn unsubscribe from a lot of podcasts. But I'm also really good at if I don't, if I'm not interested in a podcast uh, episode or topic or anything like that, I don't feel obligated to listen to it or anything like that. Like it's not right. like a TV series for me where I have to watch everyone. So um, yeah, I basically just pick and choose what I want to listen to and and at first I wanted to get through a lot of podcasts, but now I'm fine letting them build up and just listening over time. So, Yeah, and I'm sort of one who tries to keep up with them week to week as they come out. And Thursday happens to be a big day as far as the number of podcasts that download for me. <laughs> so Thursday, I spend a lot of time trying to get through as many of those as possible now that music comes out on Fridays. And like you said, using... Apple Music, it sort of makes that process a little easier because you can just go into the new releases section under the browse tab, I believe, mm -hmm. and you can just add very quickly a bunch of the albums that you want to check out. I know for some of the bands that you and I listen to, they're not going to make that front page on the new releases for Apple. So you sort of every once in a while have to search for specific bands and the mm -hmm. releases because they're smaller bands. But for the most part, they have a lot of stuff. Like I remember when Side One Dummy had quite a few releases coming out last year, their stuff would make it onto that new releases page on Apple Music. So that was very useful. And it also helps when you write about music that you get stuff in advance as well. So sometimes I only really have to download the big releases that, you know, no one would ever give me in advance to, to begin right, with. Right. So I think Apple Music does help a lot with that. And I'm already still trying to sort of figure out what new stuff I want to listen to this year, because this week we have a couple of things coming out. Well, I should say we're recording this on January 25th. So in two days, we'll have Cloud Nothings, Japan Droids, a couple oh, of big yeah. rock albums in sort of our music scene here. And I've already listened to both. So I don't need to sort of eagerly await for Friday at midnight or something to go add them through. I think on the West Coast, though, you get them at like nine o'clock if they go up at midnight on the East Coast. So that's sort of useful sometimes because I'm like, yes, I can listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my Friday morning routine is when I wake up, I check that one Apple tab of new music and yeah. chorus with the new album uh, post that Jason always does. And right. then I'll just add them whatever to my phone, download the ones that I want to listen to soon and then do it that way. Um, I actually feel like I never listen to music before the release date anymore because it's just so much easier to wait and click add through Apple Music um, yeah. instead of dealing with files and all that fun stuff. 
Uh, so I did not, and I never remember release dates as a result either. So I did not know that Japandroids and Clouds Nothing, Cloud Nothings came out this Friday. So that's exciting to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. So you will probably have already listened to those by the time everyone hears this, but that's totally fine. You mentioned listening to audiobooks a lot and then sort of not listening to as many last year. Do you have a preference when it comes to books? Would you rather listen to an audiobook? Personally, I've only listen to, I want to say two or three. I definitely did Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. And then I one. did, I believe it was the first Mindy Kaling book. I listened to that one too. Um, I, uh, I used to only listen to nonfiction and I, I've never listened to a fiction book because that seems okay. hard to keep up with. Um, right. I also, a couple of years ago, pretty much only read nonfiction, and in the past year and a half, have shifted to reading way more fiction, which has been way more, I guess, enjoyable and relaxing at night um, right. than reading like business books or health and wellness, fitness books or anything like that, um, which has been cool. So I kind of just stopped cold turkey listening to audiobooks when I felt like there was too much I was trying to listen to during the day, um, right. and instead just switched to music or podcasts instead. Yeah, and were you doing that through an Audible subscription or were you sort of using a library system to get audiobooks that way? Because I know mine goes through Overdrive and I actually just downloaded the app again to sort of try and listen to audiobooks through the library because for me anyway, Audible seemed a tad on the expensive side just for an audiophile to <laughs> me and you know, I sort of get a little annoyed when you have a Kindle version of a book and it's either as expensive as a physical copy or sometimes even more than a physical copy. I'm like, that makes no sense. You're literally sending me a file. But, that's a you know, point. that's probably a different conversation for a different day <laughs> on audiobooks and ebooks being so expensive compared to physical books sometimes. But how were you getting your audiobooks? So I'm a library guy. Um, I do okay, cool. use Overdrive for audiobooks. Um, but after using that for about six months, probably in 2014, um, my library in Austin got this new program called Hoopla. Okay, uh, yeah. And it, you don't even have to go through library. I mean, I don't, I guess it's through library, but I've been signed into the app for so long that it just lets me download whatever. Um, yeah. They have a ton of audiobooks, like a very, very good amount, and you can have like six downloaded at a time, and they last a month, I think. Nice. Um, so that's what I use for all my audiobooks. I've never used Audible just because I felt like I could get a lot from Hoopla or Overdrive between the two, um, yeah. but I didn't really need to have Audible for a paid subscription. Yeah, and I want to say in 2015 was really when I started using the library system more, because when I was up in the LA area, I got basically an e-card so that I could just get ebooks from them because I bought myself a Kindle after I had gotten my job in 2015. It was sort of like a gift to myself, even though I had plenty of physical books to keep me busy for a very long time, and I still do. So you mentioned not listening to audiobooks now. So when you read a book, do you now have a preference of ebook versus a physical book? Because personally I don't mind either. Like, I really like physical books, but if I have something in ebook form, I'm not really going to complain. And I think with the way the library system is now, there are so many more options just 
for ebooks because then you don't have to go around searching library to library or sort of searching through the library's catalog to figure out what books are near you and what books aren't, which ones you would have to, you know, have sent to your library and put a hold on. So do you have a preference that way, one or the other? So I'm pretty much the same way as you. I got a Kindle specifically to use library books on it. Um, <laughs> right. And it's a game changer being able to just download things directly to it from the library. Um, yeah. I also enjoy physical books, but uh, when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2012, um, my local library sold books for like 50 cents or a dollar. Um, yep. So at that time, I was buying a ton and ton of books because it was such a good deal. Um, and then when I got to college and have lived in so many different apartments and such since then, I think I've lived in seven or eight in the past four or five years, um, I stopped wanting to carry around a bunch of books when I was moving. So Absolutely. I basically sold a bunch of books to Half Price Books, um, now get 90% of my books from either physical copies from the library or via Kindle. Um the nice thing about the Austin library system is there's probably 12 to 14 different Austin library branches here, and they pretty much always have either physical or digital copies of the books. And if it's unavailable at the library, which happens to be half a mile down the road from me, I can just put a hold on it, and then it'll be like right in front whenever it's available. Um, so it's super efficient that way. So that system works pretty well for me for being able to read a lot. Um, I'm kind. I'm not necessarily cutting back on reading this year, but it's not as high of a priority as it was. So I think a couple of years ago I read like 90 books in the okay. year. Um, last year I read 50, and this year I'm shooting for like 30. So not and and a lot of that 90 was getting pretty into audiobooks and listening that way. Um, I try to read a little bit every day, but it's like if I don't, if I'd rather watch TV or hang out, that's fine as well. Um, so I'm definitely trying to be less strict with how much media I want to consume this year. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned going to the library and not really caring which type of book you get. For me, when I started getting into comic books more, also in 2015, I didn't even realize how many comic books the libraries around here had. And it's like they have more than enough to keep me busy for a while. So I would go check out four or five trades at a time. <laughs> and last year, I started keeping track of those through Goodreads, which is why my reading challenge this year is 100, because I'm also keeping track of comic book trades, which I can sit there and get through a comic book trade in less than an hour, probably, because it's comic books. There aren't that many words in it compared to an actual book. Right. So... I think last year between regular books and comic books, I got somewhere around 150 read and it wasn't, you know, split in half evenly, but I did get, I believe, a little over 50 books read that year, actual books, and then the rest was all comic books. Impressive. I don't, was it 150? I don't know. It was <laughs> definitely a over 100. <laughs> it was somewhere between 100 and 150. 50, I believe. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. It's already gone on Goodreads. It's not on my reading challenge anymore now that I've started the 2017 one. So yeah, who knows if I'm wrong, I apologize, but it's definitely over 100. So that's <laughs> what I have for that. And comic books are a little bit of a different story because I have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited, which I strictly read on my iPad just because that's more of a better size to be reading comics on and it's page by page 
So that has been great for me because it's allowed me to dig into a lot of the older Marvel comics that you wouldn't find in a comic book store or sometimes even in the libraries. And then the library, I've mostly been reading DC stuff, and that's when I don't decide that it's one I absolutely need to buy and have in my collection that I have now started. So between books and comic books, I quickly run out of shelf space in my room at home here. But I feel like, you know, we haven't even gotten to a lot of the stuff we really want to talk about because we're still just talking about the different types of media we consume and how we do that. So before we move on to that stuff, let's just quickly sort of go through the rest of our different types of media here. So we also have movies and TV. Personally, I am way bigger of a TV person. I have Amazon Prime. I have Netflix. I share Hulu with my cousin. So (laughs) I have, you know, the three big streaming services available to me. And that sort of that alone could keep you busy. But because my parents have cable, I also watch a ton of regular TV as well. So are you more of a TV guy or are you more of a movie guy? Um, I would say it's probably evenly split. Um, okay. Back in high school, I tried to do, like when I was a junior, senior, I tried to do like 365 movies in 365 days. So like a movie a day. And yeah. I came close for a couple of years. Um, and then when I got to college, I started watching more TV. Uh, before college, the only TV series I had ever seen start to finish was Lost, actually. Okay. And in college, which for me was 2012 to 2015, um, started watching more TV series, which was largely and still is just playing catch up. So like right now I'm watching True Blood for my first time, um, which is, I think it ended in like 2012 or 2014. So it's older. Um, but I am probably pretty even. I I don't know if I watch more TV or more movies. Uh, I enjoy watching TV more at this point, I would say, just because I find it fun to kind of see characters grow throughout series um, and throughout different seasons and things like that. Um, And it's been a more more enjoyable, quick thing for my girlfriend and I to watch at night and things like that. Uh, I try to watch movies more on the weekend than on weeknights just because if I only have, you know, an hour and a half at night, that's easier to watch some TV than it is to watch half of a movie or whatever. Of course. But I I have HBO Go, I have Netflix, and then I have Amazon Prime as well. Um, so I'm pretty covered on TV and movies. Uh, any new movies, I just try to put on hold at the library and get the DVDs or Blu-ray that way. But I don't really buy a lot of movies just because I am always surprised at how expensive they still are, honestly. <sighs> like, I think a Blu-ray is probably like 30 bucks, $35 still. So Yeah, and my parents have a decent movie collection here, but they never switched over to Blu-ray, so we just have, you know, a regular DVD player, regular DVDs and everything. But I've never really thought about getting those from the library. I don't know if it's just because that is likely to be more messed up than a book. I, I don't know if that's just some stigma I have about getting movies and, you know, obviously before CDs, They also had those at the libraries, but yeah, I've never really done that. And I feel like just between Netflix and Amazon Prime alone, that would give me enough movies to watch, but I'm just really bad at getting around to watching movies for whatever reason. Typically, I'll go see a lot of the big superhero movies, Star Wars movies in theaters, but there are some I still haven't seen. Like I have not seen Doctor Strange yet, even though that was a 
big release for Marvel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of something I'm trying to work on more this year. And having James Shotwell on this podcast a couple of times is definitely going to help with that because he gives me movies to watch typically and is like, okay, we're going to talk about this actor or actress or this specific movie. So, you know, here's a list of things to watch, basically. And that's sort of helping me get back into wanting to watch movies on a more regular basis. Yeah, I'm always really behind on new movies because I don't really see movies in theaters much. Um, yeah. So it's always funny, like the first few months of a new year, I'm always catching up on all the movies from the previous year. So that's what I'll be doing in the next couple months. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'm going to be doing too because I think now going to the movies just isn't that pleasant of an experience because there's always someone doing something you're not supposed to do in the movies, like talking over the movie or, you know, people bring their children to movies that their children don't need to be at or people bring babies in. And it's, you know, sometimes it's not worth the money to go <laughs> and watch it with a bunch of other people. All fair points. <laughs> yeah. So that leaves us with news and articles and that sort of stuff on the internet. Personally, I use Reader, which is an RSS app. So I have all of my feeds in Reader on my Mac and on my phone. And I'll use that to sort of quickly scroll through, find things I want to read, you know, mark red for everything else that I don't. Do you use an RSS service or do you save articles to an app like Pocket or Instapaper? So I used to use Reader and then I feel like at one point I thought it shut down or was shutting down. Um, <laughs> so I switched to Flipboard and then I switched to okay. Feedly. Um, I still use Feedly, but not regularly at all. Um, I don't really feel the need to check up on a ton of news at this point just because I feel like Facebook has just become an aggregated news feed. Um as well as like if I want music news, I'll just go to Chorus or something like that. Right. Um, so I don't really use RSS feeds anymore. Um, throughout the day at work or if I'm out or anything and see an article that I want to read, I do use Pocket and I'll just save it there um, and read it whenever I feel like it. But I definitely have kind of stopped feeling like I need to be super up to date with certain news uh, to a to a degree. So I don't, I'm not super into RSS feeds or anything like that. Um, I've kind of cut down on articles unless I feel like it's super interesting or relevant to something I'm interested uh, in learning more about. Yeah. And you aren't a big sports person, are you? I'm not. I'm probably the least sports fanatic sports fan <laughs> that you'll meet. So no, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. See, for me, quite a few of the websites that I follow, I follow for their sports content or I'll follow specific writers on ESPN because ESPN is typically pretty good about having separate RSS feeds for their writers. So I think, you know, sometimes with sports stuff, I'll, it'll be something I really want to read right away. But I have a ton of stuff in the sports folder in my Instapaper account because it's just longer reads that I haven't gotten around to reading. And I don't think they are things that will necessarily be irrelevant when I read them. Like when Kobe retired, I had a ton of retirement articles on Kobe <laughs> saved and I wasn't in a huge rush to get to those. I might even still have one about 
the 20 years of Kobe's career saved an Insta paper from last year. <laughs> but it's like those things I was like, okay, I don't need to rush through all of these. The Lakers season is over. They're not in the playoffs. You know, they're not going to have any news for a little while. So I could sort of take my time with those. And I think I did a quick count the other day of how many things I have in Insta paper. And it's somewhere between like 50 and 70, I think. And that's not counting anything I've put in there since I did this count. <laughs> so I do have a lot of stuff in there. And I have a folder that is specifically titled long reads. And for me, that's like anything that Instapaper says is like over a 20 minute read. So those have kind of been sitting there just waiting for me to either want to get to them or just have the time to get to them between all of my other media consumption. So I feel like sometimes articles take a backseat to everything else. And I'm almost to the point where I don't know if I just want to purge my Instapaper and start over or if I do really still want to read some of these things. So I think with that long reads folder, I'm going to go through that and be like, okay, does this still interest me? Is this something I still want to read? And that might be a task for myself over the weekend, this weekend to do that. But do you ever feel like you have too many things saved in pocket or do you sort of keep it to a minimum? I would say I keep it to a minimum. I mean, I don't read through it every day, but for the most part, like one night a week or for a little bit on the weekend, I'll sit through and read, you know, the articles that I have on there. Unless, yeah. like you said, if it's a really long read and I just don't have the mental capacity to read that at the moment, I'll <laughs> right. just keep that saved in there. But I probably have under 10 articles at all times, um, largely because I don't, I probably don't save a ton in there. Yeah, clearly I have saved a ton. So what I do is I try to start with the really short articles. So like anything that is less than a five minute read, according to Instapaper, I'll sort of sit down. I try to do it on a weekly basis. I'll sit down and just sort of breeze through all of those. And then I'll move on to anything that's under 10 minutes. And then everything above 10 minutes, it's like, okay, this I'll do a different day and they sort of just sit there for a while and build up. And then I decide like, okay, you know, this is about the Golden Globes or something. Those already happened. I'll just get rid of that. And I think I definitely need to get better about just reading stuff when I find it, especially if it's something that I know is short enough for me to just sit there and read through real quick instead of just automatically saving things straight to Instapaper. See, I'm the opposite. Like, I would rather save something to Pocket than read it immediately, I think. Um, I might have to switch to Instapaper, though, because I don't think Pocket can do folders. Or I don't have the paid version, so maybe the free one just can't. I think in Pocket you can do tags, and then oh, those right. sort of act as folders. But the thing that bothers me about Instapaper, and it's not a deal breaker or anything, but it's like I can never just get a full count of articles in my account. It's like if you turn on the badge on the iOS app, <laughs> it'll only give you stuff in the main like homepage basically. So it won't count any of the stuff that's sitting in your folders that you've made. And to me that just sort of doesn't make sense cuz then it's like really inaccurate about how many articles you have to read. And more often than not, most of my stuff goes into topic folders. So I have one for tech, I have one for sports. I have a film and TV one, I have a music one, and I think I have a comic-related one. So I have those five plus the long reads folder, 
And it's like, okay, if that's where the majority of my articles are going, shouldn't you be counting these in the badge count? <laughs> that seems like a stressful badge notification to have on, though. I don't know if I'd want badge count on for that. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes I would just turn it. I would just turn it on to sort of see what the number said, and then turn it off. I would. I don't keep it on all the time. Oh, okay. But I think that's actually a good segue here into you wanting to talk about notifications and that sort of thing. Personally, I do not have that many notifications going to my phone. I have messages going through and then on my email app, which I use Spark, I have smart notifications. So I'm not getting notified for every single thing that comes through. That's a good solution. Um, So up until six months ago, I probably had any app on my phone that could have notifications they were turned on ouch yeah which was and then i think i had like a period where i was like okay i don't want to be on my phone this much or looking at my phone this much um so i basically turned off almost every notification except uh i keep spark on but what i did there is i only have my work email on spark so i'll get those emails but all of my other emails i just have on like the standard mail client which i don't really use so those are ones that i don't feel like i have to check um other than that i turned off i think all social media notifications um so i just have like calls and text notifications on uh and then slack which we use for work and i also use that for chorus um so yeah. it's been way nicer to not have a million notifications or badge icons and things like that. Yeah, other than messages and Spark, I do get phone ones, but really my parents are the only ones who call me. So, you know, that's not an everyday sort of notification there. And then I have TweetBot notifications on, but it's only specific ones. I think it might be only if people I follow mention me or something like that. I don't know if that's exactly the wording they use but it's like i'll get mentions and i think quoted tweets and that might be it but other than that i have slack set to if i am mentioned specifically in slack or they do the at here at group at channel whatever i'll get those Mm -hmm. so i'm not getting notified every time someone posts in slack because the slack groups i'm in some of them are for beta testing so there are tons of people in those groups and it would just be overwhelming if i got notified every time (laughs) someone was sending something so i have very specific notifications on for that but i don't have anything on for facebook or instagram i have the regular twitter app on here but i don't have that sending me double notifications basically that's more just because twitter has not allowed third-party applications to use like the poll API so I don't see polls on TweetBot so I have to go into Twitter if I want to participate in one of those and I don't have Goodreads notifications on I don't think I might have the badge pop up which is what I also have on Todoist which is my to-do app I just have a badge showing how many things I have to do that day and then if a reminder comes up or something like that that'll notify me but that's it I do use Todoist as well. I also use TweetBot. Um, I actually do have TweetBot notifications turned on, but I rarely tweet anymore, so I don't get a ton. <laughs> right. um, Todoist, I have reminders turned on, but I don't use the badge for anything. Okay. Um, I haven't even thought about that. I don't really want to know how many things I still have to do every day. Um, and then I use Fantastical for calendar, and I have those turned on just because that's important. 
Yeah, I don't have those turned on necessarily. I have it so it just shows me how many things I have to do that day. Like right now, it's still showing me a two because we haven't hit our hour mark for the podcast. I had it scheduled at 530. So that'll automatically go to 630. And then I have it in there for the Lakers games. I have a Lakers calendar so that I know when the (laughs) Lakers games are. So it'll just tell me like, I'll just get the one in the badge, letting me know, hey, there's a Lakers game today, even though we no longer have that channel. So I can't watch them anyway. (laughs) So I could probably turn that off now that I can't watch the games. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, overall, I think it's been way nicer not having notifications on. Um, I think my main reasoning behind it was I felt like, and and just in general, using my phone and social media, like at night, if I'm watching TV or something, I felt like I would just sit on my phone and scroll through Instagram or Facebook um, or on my computer instead of actually watching the movie or show that I'm watching and then be like, okay, what happened? Um, And so one thing that I've really tried to do is not do the whole second screen thing unless so when i watch tv i'll try to watch like a drama which is currently true blood and a sitcom or comedy at the same time um just so i have some variety i'm not watching a comedy right now i don't know what to start next but (laughs) that'll typically be something mindless like the office or how i met your mother or something where during that i can you know be on my phone or whatever but during whatever drama i'm watching i'll pay more attention to Yeah, there are certain shows where I sort of have to not be doing anything. The main one recently was when I was watching season two of Narcos, because you have to read the subtitles if you don't speak (laughs) Spanish. So, you know, I had to pay attention to that one in order to have any clue what was going on. But you mentioned, obviously, not having that many notifications on for social media, and neither do I. It's really just Twitter that we both have. So, you wanted to talk about sort of growing up on social media and on the internet and that sort of thing. When was your first experience, I guess, with computers? So when I was growing up, my dad would always give me his old laptops from work whenever he got new ones. Okay. Um, so I have had a computer of some capacity almost my entire life, like as early as I can remember. Um, and when I was super young, like second third grade uh i used to (laughs) read books and then use like powerpoint to like write summaries about the books and stuff super nerd level there um (laughs) so i've had computers for as long as i can remember and then i've been on the internet for as long as i can remember for better or worse um all i remember using it for when i was like a kid was going on barnes noble and like looking up books um (laughs) yeah and then I was on AIM, AOL, in okay. seventh grade, and that's probably when I started more heavily using the internet. Um, AIM was seventh grade. MySpace was eighth grade for me, which was 2008. Uh, and then when I started high school, freshman year, was Facebook. And so that's kind of how that progression went. Yeah. I don't recall when exactly I started using the internet, but when I was probably around four years old. That's really when I started using the computer in general because my parents had bought me some computer games. And the only one I can recall the name of right now is Putt-Putt, which was this little (laughs) purple car with a dog. And, you know, Putt-Putt would join the parade, go to the moon. And there were all these different games for that. And I, I swear there was a game. It had to do with a fish. And obviously it was not Finding Nemo at the time, but... I cannot, the for the life of me, think of what the name of that was. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I did used to play uh, Jumpstart first grade, 
and second grade and third grade, if you remember those. Um, okay. So that must I was I had to be around first grade at that point. <laughs> uh, those are computer games when I was a kid, and I think those are the only computer games that I ever played. Yeah, Freddy Fish. That's what it was. Freddy it's amazing fish. what okay. Google will understand when you put in Fish Computer Game 90s. <laughs> so yes, I, I think Freddy Fish and Putt Putt were like my first forays into the computer world. And from there, you know, I ended up having a really terrible Yahoo email. We will not say what that was. And then like you, <laughs> I got into AIM. I It was probably around middle school or early high school and you know i think aim is really sort of what start aim and myspace were what started that for me and then later in high school was when facebook started catching on and myspace was really fizzling out basically and then it wasn't until my freshman year of college that i got on twitter okay so i remember yeah, seventh grade was all AIM, eighth grade was all MySpace, and then instantly in ninth grade, it was like, okay, Facebook, no more MySpace. Okay. Um, so that's how that went. And then in seventh grade, I played lacrosse, and so I remember I was part of some lacrosse forum online, and then that I think I stopped going to when I discovered Absolute Punk, which was 2008, eighth grade for me, uh, which is like a decade ago, which is pretty wild. Um and I basically spent most of my time on the internet there or on Facebook at that point. I got on, so at that point, I I think when I was a freshman in high school, I started writing user reviews for Absolute Punk, which okay. you used to be able to, anyone could submit reviews. Um, right. And so one year, I think it was like 2009 or 2010, I submitted like 50 user reviews, maybe for one or two years. And then became staff on Absolute Punk in 2010. Um, so at that point, I was like way more heavily invested in the internet, and as a result, got on Twitter in order to share stuff uh, that I wrote more. And so, as well as I think Tumblr at that point. And I don't really use oh, Tumblr yeah, anymore, yeah. but Tumblr was a thing when I was in high school, and I same. I, it still is, but I don't. I don't really know if people use it as much or what the demographic is there. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about Tumblr the other day because I was really big on that in high school. And then for, I would say, the beginning of college, because that's originally what I started Hi-Fi Noise on. And when I was helping out with Property of Zach, that was obviously like the biggest Tumblr site probably that in our scene anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think it just sort of fizzled out after that for me because I moved Hi-Fi Noise over to WordPress. So I wasn't really on Tumblr like I was before. And I recently considered like deleting it because as you know, high school, everything is embarrassing. (laughs) So I I considered that, but I haven't done it. And I think, you know, it would be horrible to look back on my tumblr (laughs) so thinking about it now i actually do still use tumblr for my personal blog but i think i cleared everything before probably 2012 yeah um and just have like a super plain theme that i sometimes write like these are movies i'm watching right i'll just share that on twitter but i don't i don't use it as a tumblr in that regard yeah yeah. tumblr dashboard where you can browse through people's blogs i don't i don't do that or anything um i've been meaning to move that to squarespace but i have not gotten around to that but maybe one day yeah i can't remember the last time i 
used my personal Tumblr. I still would use it because Cumulus FM, which was a place I had co-opted at at Drexel or just interned at, if you want to use a normal term, but we had a blog going on Tumblr where we would share, you know, new music each week. We I would pick like five songs or, you know, songs and albums and share those on the Cumulus blog and then tweet it out, put it on Facebook and whatnot. So that was what I have mostly been using Tumblr for, I would say the last maybe two years or so. I can't remember the last time I posted something to my personal Tumblr. And obviously the Hi-Fi Noise one has been inactive since I moved over to WordPress. But I think a lot of stuff I don't use at all. Every once in a while, I will wander over to MySpace and just see what's going on there. Because even though I don't know anyone who uses it, I oddly know people who write for it. And they'll do interviews with bands and that sort of thing. And it just sort of seems odd to me. So I'll wander over there every once in a while. I don't even really use Facebook that much. I'll use it for Messenger more often than not. And then I use it to post to my pages. So I'll post my podcast to the Geekdom page. I'll post record label stuff to the label page. And Hi-Fi Noise automatically posts. So I don't even really have to do too much maintenance on that i did recently realize that it had stopped posting to facebook when (laughs) i was using (laughs) yeah i was using ifttt and i guess because my domain mapping had expired now that i'm having that done somewhere else (laughs) so it just like severed the connection and i can't get it to log back in so i have a whole different thing set up now that took like a good day of trying to figure that out and figure out what would look best basically i yeah i think i have largely not stepped away but highly 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 lowered any amount of volume that i'm active on social media um i rarely post on facebook anymore i rarely tweet anymore um or if i do i literally just open tweetbot in order to compose a tweet um and then i never browse through my twitter timeline or anything like that anymore um i think twitter in particular can get really overwhelming just because you're like okay i just looked through the timeline and then all new tweets are there you know what i mean right Um, right so i feel like i've really cut back on looking at twitter at all really um i will browse facebook um primarily at work just because sometimes i'll have downtime at work to kind of pull it open and see what's new but i feel like a lot of the whole election cycle spawned me to be less and less on social media just because Honestly, with all the Donald Trump stuff, it became very disheartening. Um, So I would try to spend less and less time looking through any news feeds or things like that, which I think was a good thing. Um, Like, I'll check Facebook throughout the day during work, I guess, but not really at night. I don't really check Twitter. Um, I probably look at Instagram the most of any social media, actually. Okay. Um, But I don't post there a ton either. And then other than that, one thing that I have been doing, like, on YouTube is subscribing to channels that I'm interested in and then just adding videos to my watch later which has been helpful kind of like using pocket but for videos yeah so that's been helpful to kind of keep track of things there but other than that I'm not super active on social media anymore I'll still post if I have anything important to share like relevant or if I think of anything worth posting Um, but for the most part I just kind of browse yeah I would say Twitter is definitely the most heavily used for me just because you know, I'm sitting at home all day, so I just have it open. I make sure 
WordPress is posting to Twitter, that sort of thing. And because I've been writing for a lot of different websites, I'll share my posts and everything. And, you know, I use it more, I would say, just sort of to tweet random things and have conversations with people I follow or, you know, friends and whatnot throughout the day. So I, I try not to, you know, dive in deep with the political stuff on Twitter, just because I know how much of a madhouse it can be on Twitter when you start getting <laughs> into those conversations with people. And, you know, so I keep it more the entertainment based. So the stuff I'm working on, you know, what I'm watching, that sort of thing. And I think that sort of helps make my timeline easier to handle as well, because I previously would wake up in the morning and feel the need to scroll through all the tweets I had missed because obviously being on West Coast time, everyone on the East Coast has already started tweeting like three hours before you're awake, <laughs> at least. It, it depends on how early they get up. But, you know, I woke up today and I think it Tweetbot said I had like 600 tweets or something. So I just like went straight to the top. I was like, I'm not scrolling through 600 tweets just to see if I missed something. Yeah, I pretty much tweet the same way you do and that if I do, it's like, I'm watching this TV show. What do, what do people think about this? Yeah. Um, and more entertainment related. Or if I have something worth sharing on Chorus, like I just had end of the year posts um, a couple weeks ago, so shared that. Yeah. But other than that, um, I keep it pretty light on Twitter. I used to, when I was in college, first thing I would do when I woke up is like check my email, check Twitter and Facebook and all that. And maybe because I don't have as much time in the morning before work, but I've entirely stopped doing any of that. Um, and I'll just kind of browse through stuff uh, as I feel like throughout the day. And I never really feel the need to catch up or see anything I missed, which has been kind of like a freeing mindset to have in a weird way. Yeah, definitely. And I know you want to also talk about productivity. And since you are the one of the two of us with a job, do you find that all of the different types of media you want to consume start to get in the way of your work or because you said you can listen to music and podcasts while you're at work if you're not in a meeting or something like that? Does that sort of make it easier for you to stay on track with all of the things you want to get to? I think it makes it easier. It, it's kind of nice because if I'm doing a project that's not super entertaining, like uh, doing a web web data poll on Google Analytics or something that you know is just looking at numbers and pulling up spreadsheets and things like that having a podcast or something on um, can kind of it's it's nice because then I can combine work with pleasure essentially and something that I enjoy outside of work um, right. and then it's great because when I get home after work I'll typically go to the gym and then come home and after all of that I'm like okay I'm done for the day I don't have to stare at a screen anymore um, and so I think it's it's nice because I never feel like I'm trying to pull one way or the other like I really love my job and I I enjoy you know what I do every day um mm -hmm. and it's definitely in line with what I'm interested in like marketing and and internet trends and things like that so uh I definitely don't feel like I have like a separate work versus uh life interest or anything like that um which has been great yeah definitely and I'm sort of hoping whatever job I get next it's not exactly like the one I had because to me that it was doing the same thing over and over again for eight hours. And that sort of wasn't what I wanted to keep doing, but I'm hoping I still can at least 
listen to music because then that will give me the opportunity to catch up on a lot of music I've missed out on. Or if I can listen to podcasts, then great, because I have a lot more of those, I would say, on a weekly basis than I do new music to listen to. Yeah, I think that's a lot of why I've been able to listen to so many podcasts and mainly music um, in the past year is just because I'm able to do it uh, during work throughout the day, um, which has been really great to be able to kind of accomplish two things at once there. Yeah. Um, and then when I get home at night, I'll either read for an hour or so or I'll watch TV for, you know, however late and then or a movie um, is kind of my standard if I'm not out, out to dinner or anything fun like that, uh, if I'm consuming media in that regard at night. Definitely. You mentioned reading more fiction lately. Do you have any specific authors that you really enjoy reading? This is more out of a personal curiosity than anything else. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen King is probably my favorite author overall. I've probably read uh, at least two thirds of his books, maybe okay. more than that at this point. Um, You've read way more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly ticking away at all of them, but there's probably 60 total at this point. So I've read at least... 30 of them, I would say. I'm at least halfway there. Um, and then, I don't know, like right now I'm reading The Cuckoo's Calling, which is that of the book series that J.K. Rowling wrote under the pseudonym, I think it's like Robert Gilbreth or something. Yeah, it's like a I have that sitting that on my shelf as well. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'm definitely not going to read all three of them because I think after this one I'll be like, okay, I got enough out of that. Um, okay. But no, it, it's been good. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I used to... A couple of years ago, I really only read nonfiction, whereas right. in high school, I only read fiction. And I feel like lately, I like feeling like reading is super relaxing and fun. So I prefer to read fiction over, you know, a business book or a health, wellness and fitness book or something like that, um, just because I feel like I'm not using my mind as much. And it's kind of just like relaxing at night. Yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from, because I'll have little spurts of nonfiction books and fiction books. Especially since Misalign, my other podcast, we do a book club episode every month. So we're reading a music book every month. And more often than not, those are going to be nonfiction books just because of the nature that there's probably not too many music-based fiction books. I know they exist, but I think that would right. just really limit our list there. And obviously, as people who write about music, both Megan and I do, and I know you do as well, you sort of want to read things similar to how you want to write and what you want your writing to be. So we definitely choose books based on that as well. Like we just did an episode on Nothing Feels Good by Andy Greenwald. And now we're reading On Bowie by Rob Sheffield. And those are two, you know, big writers, even though Andy Greenwald only did one music book he still did a lot of pop culture writing mm -hmm. and now he's writing on a tv show so it's sort of really cool to see all of the different styles and how they can all work while sort of tackling the same types of topics i've been meaning to read nothing feels good for years and years now so i'll have to read that at some point did you like it yeah i really enjoyed it i think that some of it was a little dated because towards the end he starts talking a lot about live journal and these specific websites that aren't around anymore so mm -hmm. that was sort of the only problem i i wouldn't even call it a problem it's just like okay this book was written probably 2002 it came out in 2003 i never used live journal so i think it just wasn't as relatable but it was funny because one of my professors 
was mentioned in the book from Drexel because he <laughs> co-owns Jade Tree. So when you're talking about punk rock and emo, his label is going to come up. And I was just like, his name was on page two. And I was like, what? This That's is awesome. weird. And then he had like a five or six page stretch where he talked to my professor and had a like a whole conversation in the, it wasn't conversation form in the book, but he tied it into the narrative, basically. That's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was a little jarring at first. I was like, oh, I guess this makes sense sort of thing. And, you know, had I read this before I went to Drexel, I don't know if it would have had the same effect either mm -hmm. because of that one little fact that, you know, Darren Walters was my professor and then I read this book. So, yeah, we definitely try to pick interesting choices that hopefully other people will either want to read along with us or just read at some point. Did you study music production in college or something of that nature? Is that right? Yeah, I did the music industry program at Drexel and I took the business track instead of the tech track. So you, um, is it, I guess, is your goal kind of to work in music down the road? Yeah, I mean, my job I had in 2015, it was at a music company, but like I said, it was just doing data entry. So it wasn't really doing anything hands on with music, but I'm definitely looking more towards publicity marketing. I've been doing some freelance PR. Obviously, if I could just do my record label full time, that would be great, but I make virtually no money from that. In fact, <laughs> I've probably lost money as many record labels do. So, you know, that's not as big of a deal for me right now. It's like I'm sort of just trying to find something in the publicity, marketing, social media realm. And a lot of people in the music industry know that finding a job is a nightmare. So, you know, it's it's been a while. So I'm hoping soon I'll have something lined up. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I interestingly enough, like I have been a part of the music industry since 2010. Right. Um, but I never wanted to work full time in the music industry. Like I knew I wanted to do marketing but i didn't necessarily want to do it within music i'm not sure why that is necessarily but it's always been more of a hobby for me i suppose yeah and a lot of people are that way you know they'll have regular jobs and then they'll just do music industry stuff on the side like designers will do design work after they've gone to their day job you know people will put out stuff on a record label on the side in addition to having their regular day jobs whatever it may be Mm -hmm. But I also feel like I don't know if I necessarily limited myself by getting a music industry degree, but I think, you know, that sort of at the moment, it makes me just really want to go out and do something with that in the music industry. Right. And you have a lot of background, obviously, in marketing and writing and all of that. So I think you can find something, whether it's doing music publicity or something like that, or you can do both. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. So obviously, for me right now, not having a job, I have way more time than most to consume media. So do you think yours has changed a lot since college? Did you obviously have more time in college to consume more media? Or did you also have a job while you were going to school? Yeah, so I interestingly, I feel like I have way more free time now than in college. Um, when I was in college, I graduated in three years. So I kind of crammed everything into three years. Um, right. On top of I did seven or eight internships. And was in like five or six on-campus organizations throughout the time. So I was super busy. Um, yeah. Sometimes I kind of regret that, but for the most part, it worked out uh, as I wanted it to. So I can't really regret that. Um, so no, I mean, I think I have more free time now because I 
I just do one thing. Like I work, um, you know, around 40, 45 hours a week. And then other than that, I pretty much have the rest of the week free unless, you know, random products come up at night or anything like that. For the most part, I kind of, I know I have every weeknight free and then obviously weekends. Um, so I think it's been easier for me to kind of plan my personal life outside of work more so than it was in college where I had, you know, 15 to 21 hours of classes plus internships and organizations and clubs and things like that. Right. So I think I think it's easier now because I only have to juggle a couple things. Yeah, definitely. And I'm someone who really likes to have like a specific routine Monday through Friday. So when I had my job, that was great because it's like, okay, get up at 630, get ready, be to work by eight, get back, then I can do all the things I want to do. And now I'm sort of trying to get myself in that same mindset, despite not going anywhere Monday through Friday, really. And it's like, you know, because I have hi-fi noise, I feel like that sort of helps. So I make sure I'm on and posting stuff by nine o'clock. And then I can sort of schedule things throughout the day so I can get other things done at the same time. And obviously, when I schedule a podcast, since I don't have a job, I sort of try and cater to whoever is guesting on the podcast because I know I can sort of do this whenever at the moment. So I might as well do as many podcasts as I can while I have the time. And, you know, for this podcast, I've been trying to sort of pile up a few episodes at a time so I don't have to be scrambling to find guests to come on the podcast and, you know, make sure everything's done and edited and up by Tuesday morning. So I feel like I'm sort of now trying to give myself more time in the long run by sort of scheduling these closer together in clumps almost and just having those episodes in my back pocket basically yeah that seems like a way better approach that you're not scrambling for them or trying to get anything last minute yeah um regarding kind of having a schedule i actually my previous job before where i'm at now um was working remote so i worked remote for about a year And uh, it sounds amazing, and obviously it had a handful of perks, like not having to commute and being at home, being able to listen to whatever I want whenever and things like that. But for the most part, I've actually found it easier to get in a routine now that I work in an office because, you know, I work around like 7.30 to 4-ish every day, so I try to get there a little earlier so I can leave a little earlier, Um, largely to beat traffic because Austin traffic is horrible. Uh, but also just because I feel like I have more of an afternoon and evening at that point. Um, so it's been easier for me. Like I know every day when I'm done with work, I go to the gym for an hour or two and then I have the rest of the night to kind of do whatever. Um, and especially when it's warmer out, like we've been fortunate, we don't really get a winter in Austin. So it was like 85 yesterday. Uh, and then throughout spring and summer, I try to be outside as much as possible. Uh, at night I'll either take my dog for a walk or kind of go hiking or whatever it is. Um, go to parks here so it's easier for me to know that once I'm off work I'm pretty much done for the day Um, and then I can kind of plan my evening around that but one thing that I have tried to focus on is almost being less and less structured with my free time it used to be like all right I'll go to the gym for two hours and then I'll read for an hour and then I'll watch a tv show or movie for two hours but now like I keep the gym part but if I don't read at night like that's okay if I just do that on the weekend I'm fine with that and if I don't watch tv or movie every night and if I instead you know go out somewhere go to dinner or something like that I'm fine with that and kind of taking it day by day and not being super rigorous or rigid with my personal scheduling I think I've enjoyed a lot more um earlier you mentioned Todoist and I I use that for like my personal task manager um honestly 
I use it as kind of like a safety net to not have to think about things. So I'll put in like pay rent on this day every month and pay these bills on these days every month. Yeah. Um, almost as a way to not have to stress about anything extra in life. And I think it's been pretty useful in that regard. Yeah, I would say the only thing I try to force myself to do every day is read, whether it ends up being a book. In Todoist, I have read and then in parentheses book. <laughs> and, you know, I don't always get to reading a book every single day. But if I read some of my Instapaper articles or something like that, I'll still check that off. I could probably just take the book part out of the parentheses and not have anything after read, just put read in there. So I sort of have that as a recurring task every day. And then you know, I do have things that I have to do weekly, like I've been reviewing Supergirl and The Flash. So when those are on, I know I try to get my reviews up the next day just so, you know, they're not so delayed that no one's going to care anymore. And right. I think, you know, I try to I don't have specific times that I set aside to do those things. It's like, OK, I've posted enough to the site or scheduled enough things to the site where I can go sit down, watch TV, write this review and not really have to worry about what's going up on the site right this moment. So I think just having that sort of nine o'clock start time, I probably could make it earlier if I wanted to sort of get myself prepared again for having a job that starts at eight or something like that. But I've never really had a problem waking up in the morning necessarily because for high school I used to have to wake up at 5 30 in the morning so it's not like I you know don't have any experience getting up early in the morning because my high school started at seven o'clock because I had a zero period and I went to school out of district so I had to drive half an hour to get to school every morning that's really rough. See, I always say I'm a morning person, but I'm not like a 6 a.m. morning person. <laughs> um, so I typically wake up at 7 and leave for work by 7.30 and get there yeah. at like 7.45. So not too crazy. Yeah. And I think sometimes just having at least a strict starting time helps. I don't necessarily need to, you know, have all of these things done by a specific time. Like I didn't tell you we couldn't podcast just because it had to be later in the day, even though a lot of my podcasts happen earlier in the afternoon, just because like I said, a lot of times I'm recording with people on the East Coast. So then I get to record a little earlier. You know, those things aren't a big deal right now. And I'm hoping that whatever job I do get, it will still allow me to have the time I want or need to do the both podcasts every week. Because that's really the only thing I'm sort of concerned about. And that's where I think having a remote job would be nice. Because, you know, a lot of times places, as long as you get your work done, you're good. They're not going to be hounding you and that sort of thing all day long. So I think, you know, that would sort of give me a little more leeway, at least recording wise. But, you know, I will take what I can get at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the easiest thing for you to do would just be take pick two days a week that you want to be like your podcast recording days and, and yeah. do it on those days as much as possible. Yeah. And I mean, when I record misaligned with Megan, we try to do that either Sundays or if we have to move it to Monday, we will. So that is more on a set day. But then when I do the guest episodes, I'm still sort of trying to just let people pick what times they have. But I do think once I get a job, maybe I will, you know, block out a couple days a week or a few days a week that I would be fine with recording on those days and then doing all of my other stuff on the other days. Right. Yeah. That seems like a, a pretty good way to approach it. That way you get to do, you still get to do them both, but you're not stressed about when you're going to be able to do them. 
Right. Yeah. So it would just be a matter of, you know, getting someone who could record in, you know, one of those two or three days and those time slots, which being on the West Coast, by the time I get, I would get back from work, everyone on the East Coast will already be well and done with work. So, you know, I'm not too worried about it in that respect either. So you can just only podcast with people on the East Coast and there's your solution. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Tate, because he works from home. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much how it is. I think he might, yeah, he might be the only one on the West Coast. I think I said this earlier in the podcast, but a lot of people I podcast with happen to be Central or Eastern time for whatever reason. I don't really know why. That's just how it happened. <laughs> Sorry to be part of that. <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. I just always forget where the time zone switches so for my friends in ohio i feel like i'm constantly asking them i'm like which time zone are you in because i never remember yeah or i'll have to like google yeah yeah time zone. <laughs> i think i what i need to do is i need to print out a map of the u.s with the time zones on it and then just like stick it up on my wall behind my computer screen <laughs> this way it's just always staring me in the face there's a solution yeah awesome well i think that covers it was there anything we missed that you wanted to talk about? I think that covered everything that I had in mind. Awesome. Well, I think this was a really good conversation. I think I got a lot of things out of my system that I needed to get out. So, <laughs> you know, just t talk things through sometimes and you can figure it out. So thank you so much for bringing this idea to me and for coming on to talk about it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. And I'm glad we got to talk through everything and you got all your ideas out <laughs> of your system. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I will definitely have to have you back on. I know I sent you everything to sort of look over topics. We can brainstorm, we can figure something out, but you can definitely come back on anytime you would like. Definitely. I'll definitely come back in the future. Yes. And to our listeners, if you guys have a moment to rate or review the show on iTunes, that would be awesome. If not, Thank you for listening anyway. I definitely appreciate it. This podcast has been doing probably better than I really expected it to, considering it's just me talking to people about things, and it's never really the same thing. It's totally random, totally all over the place. I really appreciate it, and as always, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks a lot. <laughs>